Hi, I'm Carl Griggs from CPC Finance. Today I'm joined by Cyril Thomas. Hi, I'm Cyril Thomas, uh, Chairman of the Property Investors Award and the Property Investors Bureau, also a full-time landlord since 2006. You've made it clear that you're a, la a, a landlord, but we'll put that to one side. Today, I'm really here to talk to you about the Property Investor Awards. Okay. So how did it start and where's it going? Okay, excellent. So the Property Investors Awards started roughly about 11 years ago, uh, but it originally started as a Property Investors Christmas party about 13 to 14 years ago. All by you? By me, that's yeah. correct. Um, and that was because I realised that you know, property could be a lonely business for the individual investor. Yeah. And I miss, well, I used to see my colleagues or my friends going to the end of year Christmas party with all of their colleagues celebrating the successes of the year. But we as property investors, individual property investors, really didn't have anywhere to go to. Mm -hmm. So I decided that I'd invite a few of my friends to a central London location, rented out a, a hotel um, venue, and I thought, okay, we'll get about 50 people in the room of people who are doing things in the industry, but are really individuals who don't really have large teams and would also benefit from this mm -hmm. sort of event. And 100 people showed up. And I thought, wow, there's really a, a market for this. And then it grew year on year for a few years, and then it got to the point where we were 200 plus, and it didn't really have as much meaning for me anymore because I'd grown my network and I was no, lo I was no longer lacking or yeah. wanting to be around. So you outgrew a Christmas party. Outgrew a Christmas yeah. party and I thought, okay, what would be a good reason for me to continue this event that people want me to continue? Mm -hmm. And I thought, actually, if we introduce a few awards to it, we can attract the best of the best, work on improving standards in the industry and just see sort of how it gets taken up by the industry in general. And we introduced, a few, I think it was two awards the first year and the industry loved it. Mm -hmm. And that took out, there was a lot of nominees, there was a lot of people who came to see who was going to win, etc. Um, and it developed from there. And then from there, all different organisations started yeah. to get involved. <laughs> and um, we just found that every year there was such, I suppose, a unique offering from the property investment community in regards to the types of deals that were presented, because things evolve, circumstances change. Uh, during the recession, the sorts of deals that were presented were very different to the deals mm. that were presented during the boom years. Yeah. Um, and as you know right now, there's a lot of hardship out there, but we're seeing that people are being very creative with their deals right now. It's just a very interesting thing to watch. And year on year, it's grown. It's um, grown every single year yeah, since conception. And, and this year, your numbers are going to be? Yeah, so six, this year, we last year, we maxed out at 550. Yeah. And this year, we're going to max out at 650, so we've had to improve the venue, get a larger venue with more capacity. Um, so we're going to be in the Intercontinental Park Lane in Mayfair this year. And that will be our first year there, because yeah. last year, we were at the Marriott in Grosvenor Square. And our aim is to, in two years' time from now, to go to Grosvenor House, where we will probably be in the region of about 1,000 plus. Cool. So it's quite a jump. It's consistent and stable. Yeah. I've seen you a few times recently, and so I know the, the work that you're putting in in the background trying loads of menus, enjoying the food. <laughs> yeah, so you, you get to see some of the fun stuff, but there's a, an all year round effort. So yeah, we've got full-time staff working on the awards mm -hmm. and there's a number of events that are linked to what we do. So we're partners of the Property Investor Show in London. That's held twice a year in London Excel. 
uh, we're partners of the Baker Street Property Meet. Uh, we have a media sponsor, Property 118, and we also have a, a partner in Property Investors News. So we link up with all of the organisations out there that share our values. Yeah. Um, and if you want me to mention it, we've got a, a, quite a recent partnership which has come forwards. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if you would like me to mention it. No, it's it. fine. Fine, fine, fine. Yeah, so our most recent partnership is actually with CPC Finance, where they are going to be one of our main sponsors at the awards too this year. And it's a fantastic relationship, really, given yeah. what we do together privately. Yeah, I'm very pleased to be on board and Thanks. look forward to it all coming out this year. Um, one, one of the things I wanted to touch on with it is Historically, in our, in particularly in the mortgage industry, mm. the award ceremony always looked upon whoever put the most money into the sponsorship, had the biggest table, sat at the front, won the awards. Yeah. yeah. How's yours any different? Well, I think it's a very good question. And the reason why it's a very good question is because when I first started the awards element of the event, I decided that I did not want it to be just like any other award ceremony. Mm -hmm. And I believe that peop people aren't silly, people aren't stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, after a number of years of running an award ceremony, the community knows whether or not it's transparent, yeah. whether or not it's legitimate, and people winning the awards will also know that. Yeah. So if you want to sustain an awards for five, 10, 15, 20 years, then it's very important that you get the judging process right. That's one of the reasons that we were happy to do the sponsorship mm -hmm. because I felt what, from talking to you and seeing it that it was independent mm -hmm. and the winners are genuine winners. Correct. Um, because you've got no personal gain out of it. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, when someone puts an award on and, and they get their main sponsor, they're going to quite they're going to look to vote for them. But you and you've explained to me, and, and maybe you can elaborate on it, is how many judges are involved. And it's, a, it's, a, it's not just a tick box, it's a two-day event. It's a two-day event, actually, and it's quite strenuous. Um, we have 30-plus judges now on the judging panel, and they come from all areas of the property market, whether it be finance, whether it be from a legal background, whether it be from a property investment background, we've got all areas covered, and they tend to be people of high repute. Mm -hmm. So I could rally off some names now, but you could go to the website at Property Investors Awards. You, you've also got UK. some previous winners. You've got some previous winners, that's right. So like the Savoy's guys, um, they have been winners, I believe, uh, at least for two years of the Property Investors Awards. And I think they earned their right to join the judging panel this year. Um, so we try to make sure mm -hmm. we've got influence from all areas of the industry. And how do how do, do people nominate, nominate themselves or do other people nominate? How, how does Good question. It, so it get involved? Anyone can nominate and to nominate is free. So if you wanted to nominate, say, a client or a friend or yourself, you can put the nomination through. The application process, a totally different ballgame. So upon, I suppose, submitting your nomination, you then receive an application. And the application is normally 50 plus questions in addition to you providing supporting documentation. And that's what goes off to the judges for a grueling two-day session where they pour through all of the applications and ensure that Everything is correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just out of interest, I don't know the answer. I'm not, okay. I'm not setting okay. it up. So That's if, if, if That's I okay. get it wrong, okay. don't do this. Do you do any site visits? Uh, no, so we don't do site visits. Mm -hmm. And basically, you have the opportunity as a nominee or applicant to submit drawings, videos, uh, pictures, testimonials, um, any legal documents that you would like us to have sight of. The more you submit, the more the judges can make a, an informed decision. 
So if you send an application through that's lacking certain information, then the judges are likely to not give you the, I suppose, the, the most marks for your application. Yeah. So you need someone like Brenton to do the drones above uh, aerial views and stuff. Well, if, 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 you, if you really want to go through it, I would say drones are a fantastic way to sort of capture the project, especially if you do time lapses. Yeah, good. So that sort of leads me on to another thing, because obviously the awards are set up, up and running, mm. um, and, and you see it advertised. So people yeah. will either know you or know the name of the awards. You've got another side of the business, which is uh, the, the mentoring. Mm -hmm. Now... I have a big issue with mentoring. Yes. All right. Um, uh, because of what I, the feedback I get. Um, you get to see it when it goes wrong a lot of the yeah, time. That, that's, yeah, that's the issue. And there's no comeback on the people that do the mentoring. Correct. Um, and what, one of the most common examples that I can give you, and I, I would say that we get this regularly, mm -hmm. um, two, three times a month, is I've got buy to let, I've converted to a HMO. Uh, why did you do that? Oh, my mentor told me to do it that way. Mm. What's your view? And, and, and you've got something to assist it. Yeah, so uh, it's a very good question now. So I'm also the chairman of the Property Investors Bureau. And the Property Investors Bureau was set up because whenever we run the award ceremony, we have a lot of people who are inspired by the winners, mm -hmm. but are always trying to figure out how can we put ourselves in their situation? Who do we go to? Who can we trust? Because some of these classes, mentoring, or whatever you want to call it, pay an awful lot of money. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> you can pay mentorships for up to £10,000, £15,000 plus yeah. as a go. And a lot of the times, these aren't people who are necessarily, they have a lot of money to spend. Mm -hmm. They're people who sometimes are borrowing on credit cards to pay for their mentoring. Yeah. Now, when I first started in 2006, I think I bought a two-bedroom flat for £100,000. My deposit was about 10000 at the time. So what they're paying for mentorships these days was a deposit on a two-bedroom flat for me back in 2006. Mm -hmm. And it's significant. And also, when things fall out, you tend to find that there's no plan B. So they don't really know how to... Yeah, I, I, I think which is prime at the moment Correct. is somebody that gave advice to someone eight, ten months ago, mm -hmm. and they bought a product or doing a project, the exit could be, or the end result could be completely different now Very because of so. interest rates, mm -hmm. cost of living. So if it goes wrong, where's the comeback? That's just it. So yeah. as the Property Investors Bureau, we have two elements to it. We have our general membership, but we also have a thing called the Property Educators Accreditation Scheme. Mm -hmm. And that was set up first, actually, before our general membership because we decided as an organisation that there's no point having a general membership with people to buy into if we don't have the mechanisms to support them and give them the information that's required to make the right decisions yeah. when they start investing. And with the Property, property Educators Accreditation Scheme, that enables legitimate teachers, legitimate educators, legitimate mentors to go through a process. Mm -hmm. The process includes things such as making sure you have a correct complaints procedure, making sure you have correct terms and conditions that are accessible and visible, making sure that you've gone through a six-month process of probation where we announce that you are applying to the scheme and let anyone who might have any grievance show themselves before yep. you are put forward as a successful applicant. So it's a bit like regulating it. Uh, it's not regulated. It's self-regulation, but, it's, it's yeah. self but at the same time... Some people get a bit sceptical about self-regulation because they think, do you really have the power to do anything? Mm -hmm. Well, actually, you have the power to change <clears throat> the culture. 
Yeah. So if we get to the point where there are more people who are part of the self-regulation scheme than are not, when somebody goes to take out education <laughs> and they look at it and it's very accessible to them that these are the regulator guys under self-regulation, these are the guys that have opted to not do anything about it. I think it, it, it's going to be a big area. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what I see happening going forward, mm -hmm. um, which is, again, caused by what's changed the market, mm -hmm. is it's very easy to give mentoring advice when projects are working out. Yes. Um, because no one knows any different. So the end result is always there. That's correct. Now that it's not always there, people are going to lose money. Mm -hmm. um, either in their own cash or properties. Mm -hmm. Some way or other, they're going to lose out. There'll be fallout. Yeah. That's right. yeah. And uh, something that you said, if, if they've got money tied up on credit cards and they haven't paying it off when they expected to, again, credit can go wrong. Correct. Then there'll be a lot more complaints to the FCA. Correct. And then they'll start looking at that whole area. What's going on, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Whereas you're up and running as, as it, um, and that will become, basically you're doing their job for them. Pretty uh, much, pretty uh, much. Yeah, you'll, you'll ask me why, you'll <laughs> ask me why. But you know, I, I had this thing of, when my son gets to an age, he's two and a half years old or so at the moment, and when he gets to the age where he can start asking questions, am I going to be someone that says, I'm proud to be part of the property investment sector? Mm -hmm. Or am I going to sort of shy away from the answer and be like, I'm a property investor, but it's yeah. not quite an industry that you want to get involved with. Yeah, I think you're going through the journey that mortgage brokers, uh, IFAs and all that went through Correct. 10, and 15 years industry, ago. industry, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, 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 you know, we get watched on different topics. You know, um, we, we've had changes that have gone on all for the right reasons that Correct. get rid of the bad guys Yes. Um, that are in it to make a quick buck rather than a long-term investment. To and it took time for you to go through that process, doesn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, and the good thing about it is, you know, if you're CMAP registered, if you if you you've got X, Y, and Z in place, mm -hmm. it's now it's then an asset. You know, Correct. if you've got agencies with people, you've got it an FCA registration. That's right. Well, it's an asset. Yeah. And again, as you said, if someone's got this and some no, so somebody hasn't got that, and you're looking at which one to go down, you'd go down the one that covers you. It becomes a no-brainer because. Yeah. Um, Last time I was at the Property Investor Show, we walked around the show and we saw several of our accredited mm -hmm. educators at the show with their badges firmly mm -hmm. displayed. Now, if you're coming to the show for the first time and you're trying to figure out where do I start, I want to invest some money in education, but where do I start? You're likely to be drawn towards those stands that have gone through this process. Yep. Because what do you know about the stands that haven't? Mm -hmm. Apart from testimonials on their website, what do you actually know yeah. about them? You'd, but no one puts bad testimonials. Correct, well. exactly. So, yeah. Um, I can see that. So, so, where do you see it going? I see it only expanding. We're getting inquiries every day, every day about this stuff, whether it be inquiries from people who want to make complaints about people who are not currently part of our scheme, mm -hmm. or inquiries from people <clears> who are just setting up their education business and say, well, actually, we want to do it right. Yeah. So, it's not that a lot of these companies went out there intending to be bad from the start. A lot of them had no help to get set up in the first place and were trying to fill their way through. So they felt they had a skill set or an asset that they could teach people, but they didn't really have the support structure. So as a mortgage broker or a finance man, there are things you could tap into and yep. resources you can tap into to ensure you're doing the things the right way to get set up. Yep. But there was nothing for the educators. Now, that's not to say or to give excuses for those guys who just went out there and were just rogue educators. Yeah, and there's there's also 
areas of it. Now, Correct. if I come along and I've converted a property mm -hmm. and done well out of it, yeah, I know what I'm doing with that. Yes. But that doesn't qualify me to give advice on the legal side. Correct. The planning side mm -hmm. and the finance side. Very much so. But and the tax it exception. seems that, that some do cover those areas. Yeah, there are some people that do put themselves out there as um, we know it all and they've only been in the industry for maybe two or three years. But then there are some people who have just bought their first property or maybe one or two properties, mm -hmm. um, but they can add value. They yep. can add value to the person who's also just starting out. Yep. Being so close to that their journey, they can offer them advice as to what they went through within yep. the last few years that they can learn from. I think that's the fine line, isn't it? Explaining the journey I went through. Yes. That's just from experience. Correct. But then there's the other side of, you should be doing this. Yeah. But the beauty of accreditation is that if you do start to teach and you tend to find that your area of knowledge or your knowledge base is lacking in some ways, um, but you still got something to offer, you can then look around and say, well, actually, there's a few accredited individuals that I quite get on with mm -hmm. who are a lot more knowledgeable than me in these areas, but I'm not that interested in teaching the newbie. Yeah. You know, so then you can pick and choose from that menu of educators to support what you're doing. Do you think it will be regularised? So my mindset is, it should not matter. Mm -hmm. It should not matter because the process of self-regulation, as it plays out, should solve a lot of these issues. Yeah, mm. that's good. And do you get a lot of buy-in from, say, lenders onto it we, to, to find out who's... Because obviously it, it, it's a network of clients as well. Yeah, so when you say, are you talking about lenders who would like to tap into our network? Uh, no, it, that recognise it as a... An area. An area of, of um, a positive, you know. Yes. What, what I mean is if they know that somebody's giving advice mm -hmm. or, or, or doing a mentoring package yes. and they've got your qualification, does that... Do they acknowledge that? I think there are stages to this. Mm -hmm. So I haven't told you, but I'm a, also a computer programmer. Right. And, uh, as, Something as, else. As a programmer, we, we think in modules. Mm -hmm. So we build a foundation, you know, we build a database, we think of the structure, then we, we think in modules. Mm -hmm. And the first module for this industry is ensuring that you've got a good and transparent process for the educators to go through. Mm -hmm. Once you've got enough educators who've bought into it, the next stage is actually the peripherals, mm -hmm. and that includes the lenders. Yeah. It includes law, the legal side of things, all of these areas. Yeah. So these people will come, but they're not the main focus right now because no. they come as a result of doing this, correct? Yeah. Mm. Interesting. So how, does, how would anyone check it out? Oh, yeah. So the easiest way to check it out is to go to our website, yeah. first and foremost, and that is PIB uk.org that's pibuk.org uh, you can also contact us by email which is info at pibuk.org and our team is ready and waiting for you to help out in any way shape, shape and or that's form. clients looking to go on a mentorship and also for mentors to register that's as well that's correct because on the website we have an area called i believe it's called find an educator where you'll be able to go in there and look at accredited educators. Um, as an educator, you'll be able to go in there and find all sorts of resources in order to help you to become accredited. And what, what, what's the fallback on that? I mean, and what I mean is if someone makes a complaint and they are registered with you, yes. what, what, what 
So there are stages, there are stages to that. So if somebody makes a complaint for an educator that's been through our accreditation process, first and foremost, we will try and resolve it in-house. Mm -hmm. Now, if we can't resolve it in-house, we've partnered up with the government-backed PRS, Property Redress Scheme, yep. and we will hand over that complaint to the PRS, and they will deal with it as an independent government-backed body. Right. So there is... Sort There's of, redress. Yeah, and... Yeah. Uh, and does that a co uh, um, compensation scheme as well, or is that not, not part of so that? So the, the way the redress scheme works, I believe, is their judgment is seen as final mm -hmm. if you accept it. Now, if you don't accept it, they can publish certain information too. Mm -hmm. So as a, an educator that values a reputation, you really don't want it to get to that stage. No. You know, before it gets to that stage, you probably want to try and deal with it amicably with the individual you know, or, or organisation. And so from your opinion, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'll put you on the spot now. Go for it. If, if, you're going, if I'm a client, a newbie, yes. I want to buy a property and mm -hmm. I want to go to a, a mentoring class, mm -hmm. what should that class cover? Interesting. Okay, so if I was starting again, what would I expect it to cover? I'd say first and foremost, I would need a self-assessment of me as an individual mm -hmm. and the lendability factor. Because it all boils down to lendability, isn't it? If you are purchasing... Well, unless you've got a load of cash. If you've got a load of cash, then you're ready to <laughs> yeah. do what you want to do, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But a lot of the times you go into these uh, education schemes and educational, um, I suppose, courses because you want to learn how to buy property in a creative manner, which enables you to use your expertise and your talent to secure properties and extract value from these properties in a way which somebody who's just going to buy it on the open market normally can't. Mm. Yeah. What I, like, what I like about what you just said and just picking up on things mm. is that if you go into a mentoring, you shouldn't be going into a class of 30 people, mm. or a room of 30 people, I shouldn't say classroom, a, a room of 30 mm. people, because that's just going to give a blanket opinion of doing a project. Mm. Um, you say that it should be an in, in really individual one-to-one, -one because how do I... You're going to be different to that person, that person's going yeah, to be different so Carl, and looking for different things. Carl, I agree with you partly there. Yeah. So I think there is a there is a space for the I suppose thirty in a class, forty in a class, even a hundred in a class, mm. and that's to give knowledge, yeah. to give you an understanding of what's achievable, the fundamentals, the fundamentals. Yeah. But as soon as you get to a stage where you're ready to go in that journey, I think <clears throat> having individual one-on-one -on -one mentorship or even just a discussion to understand where you are as an individual, what your resources are, mm. what the variables in your life are that will dictate what you can potentially achieve, yeah. that's crucial. And and do they, because um, the one you mentioned earlier, Savoy's, I, I, I do work with them, mm -hmm. and I know the area that they cover. Yes. Okay, now, they, if you're going to a mentor that normally they will only stick to one area, mm -hmm. um, yet you want to buy a property or do a project 50 miles away. Yes. I would say that would be the wrong mentor to go to because they wouldn't know the local area that you're looking to invest in. Again, I agree with you partly. So there's a difference between going into the minutiae mm -hmm. of, I suppose, a process as opposed to the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Now, as an investor, the fundamentals are pretty similar in any area you go to. And part of those fundamentals are for you to know your area. If yeah. somebody comes to me and says, you know, so I've heard you've been successful in investing in Colchester in Essex. Tell me how to invest in Birmingham. I'll say, okay, 
I know nothing about Birmingham. Yeah. But what I can say is, I know all of my agents locally. I know all. I know the postmen. Mm -hmm. You know, I go to the local networking groups. I make sure I'm good with certain counsellors. So if you can replicate that in Birmingham, I'm sure that will increase your chances of succeeding like builders in and, property. Yeah, builders, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah. cleaners. Anyone who's going to assist you on your journey, you've mm -hmm. got to be networking with them. You've got to know them. You've got to find out how you can add value to their lives too mm -hmm. and start building your powerhouse. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to deviate a little bit here mm. because it's something um, that I know about you. Is on a project that I've seen, mm. you do a lot of you, you online stuff. I, I, what I mean is you don't need to be there day to day. And is that something that you would sell in as part yeah, of your so, mentoring? Because you, you, you've still got work. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I think that if you're that way inclined, when I say that way inclined, if you are into technology, I would say that it is worth spending the time to figure out what technology is going to help you within your property business. Because it's a difference between you having to hire somebody part-time or full-time to do certain work that could be fully automated. And I think, Carl, what you're alluding to is... Um, a scheme that we are involved in, which involves, uh, I suppose, wireless lock systems. So we, you could call it a hotel service accommodation, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, we have wireless lock systems throughout the building so we can let people in without having to be there. Um, we have cleaners and maintenance people that go in there with their codes. We don't need to be there to do that. We mm -hmm. have a very powerful CCTV system and alarm system in there, which means that pretty much it runs itself apart from maybe a few phone calls a week. Yeah, yeah I've, I've seen it work, so I, I've mm. seen it live, sorry. So, mm. so that's what I was, I was trying to get to. It's another, it's another um, avenue that I think a lot of people will start going down. Yeah, the prop tech avenue, yeah. really and truly, which yeah. we don't see much in our industry at the moment, but yeah. I think that's because people are still becoming accustomed to all of the different technology that's out there. But with, with um, and again, I know you've been through this, so I sort of know the answer, but I'm just kind of mm. get it out there. Okay. With COVID, yes. Then when people didn't want to meet people, yes, it still worked for you. It still worked. So, you know, what we realised during COVID was that a lot of the economy shut down for anything that wasn't self-contained. So, if you're working on a project and you could factor in an element of that project being able to work as a self-contained unit then we're not worrying about COVID-20 no. or COVID-21 mm -hmm. because we know that our projects will be able to sustain themselves during those times and maybe even become more valuable during those times because other projects will shut down. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's been really good to speak with you, Cyril. And uh, thanks. There's plenty more that we could talk about. And thank I you. know we're going to come back and do some more. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, right. So now I'd just like to say then watch out for our media so that you can like, share and subscribe to our next uh, interview, which is with Alfred Jardy.